I'm Margaret Mueller, President and CEO of the Executives Club of Chicago, Chicago region's top business forum. Join me on the Executives Exchange as I go deep with some of the most successful executives from the Chicago region and unlock the keys to their success. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this. On this episode of the Executives Exchange, we are joined by Christine Leahy, President and CEO of CDW. Chris sits down with guest moderator Linda Imonti, Office Managing Principal at KPMG. They discuss how CDW thrived through COVID with an intense focus on coworker engagement and customer satisfaction, their tremendous acquisition growth strategy, and the importance of conceptualizing offices of the future as watering holes versus fences. It's great to have you here today. And we're going to start out with, you know, I want people to know who you are and what your life journey has been and your career journey. And you know, we always get a chance to prep for these sessions. And so we get a little peek purview into what this story is. And, and I think that um, it's an amazing story. Tom gave us some insights to it. But the first thing I want to do is just hand it to you and have you tell us who you are and what your life journey has been. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big question, and it's it's funny because I think when we were prepping, I, I think I said, you know, the question I ask when I interview people is, I've seen your resume, I've read it all. Tell me what your life journey's been. So you just turned it around on me. Thanks for that. Um, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My dad, at 26, decided that he didn't want to work for other people, and he and two of his friends started a business. And he ran his, his own businesses from then on, and some of them were very successful, and some of them were not. So I would just say that a big influence in my life has been my family. I grew up with four siblings, so it was uh, seven of us in a, the bottom half of a very small house, and all I remember is joy and fun and respect. And my grand, I, I was born in Rhode Island. My grandparents, uh, both sides were there, all my aunts and uncles, and there were a lot of them. And so we, um, we used to go up there for the summer. That was our summer camp. And so just an extended family. A couple things I would say is some of the things that have stuck with me and I think have been guiding principles for me are my dad used to often say to us, when things are hard, make it simple. And it sounds contradictory, but he's absolutely right. So generally growing up, whatever I've been doing, or my siblings, frankly. I think we've all learned to have some key guiding principles that we live by. And just keep it simple, because that tends to illuminate the path a little more. So in my household, for example, we had Leahy rules. And uh, one of them was give your honest best. And it wasn't your best, it was your honest best. And if my dad looked you in the eye and asked that question, was that your honest best, you, you, know, you had a feeling it probably wasn't. But, but by having simple principles that guided me, I think every step of the way, it was about that simplicity and always trying to do my best. The other thing I learned growing up in an entrepreneur's household is, I think this is really important, is empathy. So, you know, my dad, we used to bring turkeys and grapefruits to the people who worked my dad's plant, very much like Michael Krasny did at CDW. It was really like a family. And I saw how my, um, my mom and dad both treated those that worked with them and for them. And when you grow up with that, you just have a real um, respect and empathy for all those you work with. And I think ultimately that empathy, if I think about 
whether it was the law or whether it's at CW or whether it's a gathering like this, I think that empathy really translates into how somebody is experiencing you or your brand. And so again, just leading with simple concepts like how do you experience Chris Leahy? How do we as coworkers experience each other? And how do our customers experience CW. And just to that point, one of the things we've been talking quite a bit about, and I mentioned this to you, is energy. Um, it was a bit of an epiphany, I think, during the pandemic, um, this notion of energy and how important we at CW think it is going forward. And not so much, some of it is because it was hard and it took a lot of energy, but, but then thinking about what an athlete does and must do, baseball, whatever it is, to perform and uh, replenishing your energy and your muscles so you can be at your peak performance, we've really now started to take that to heart at CW. And we're all athletes and being very serious about the experiencing of each other and how energy is really driving that. So, you know, I didn't give you the ins and outs of my growing up, but I, I, I grew up in a wonderful family. Uh, I was very fortunate, and um, I worked since I was 14, which also brought a, a level of, I would say, customer service. You know, as a waitress, I always used to, it was always a, um, it was always a challenge who I was going to get at my table. Was it going to be a family with the kids who were making a lot of noise? And then my goal was like to calm the kids down and let mom and dad enjoy. So I'd be figuring out how to do that. Or was it a couple having a romantic dinner? I'd bring an extra drink and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but doing things like um, waitressing and just all the jobs I've had throughout my life, I think, have given me the empathy and acute awareness of how people experience me and therefore our brand at CW. Right. I was going to go to the awareness yeah. point, and, yeah. and you got there. I think it does give you. But there's a certain level of awareness you build just in a family of that size. Yeah, I can tell you. We did the Sundays with the Dairy Queen Dash. And yes. yeah, OK. <laughs> you guys got to like Dairy Queen. Come on. Absolutely. How could you not? And if the house was not clean by 6 PM, we didn't get to do the Dairy Queen Dash. And it was the five of us in charge. And here, what, back to simplicity. Here was the instruction. The house has to look like something your grandmother would be proud of. OK, I'm talking like you know, seven, six, five, three, and 18 months. The 18 month didn't do much. But, it, but, but think about it. It's like it has, we had to figure out how to figure it out. And I think we only missed the Dairy Queen dash once. And it was not my fault, <laughs> just to be clear. But what is interesting about that is that that and the entrepreneurial kind of family and background, you can see where some of the problem-solving skills, right, early on for you came from, yep. right? And yep. where you built, because here's the house, it has to be cleaned, you guys figure it out, the 18-month-old maybe not contributing much at that point, but you had to figure out and solve that. So then project that forward into your life story and your career. Yeah, well, and, and I'm, I'm going to actually give the CW team a huge amount of credit, not myself projected forward, because I think we're an organization that has always um, focused on evolving to be better for the customer and being where the customer is going to be at their next intersection. And uh, again, what we found out acutely during the pandemic is how important um, agility is and the ability to, the um, choice to enter a conversation without starting with a, the, it won't work because. But, and the choice to enter a conversation with, that's a really interesting point, let's build on that. Okay, and how important that became during the pandemic. And when we talk about agility, what do we really mean? It means the 
uh, ability to adapt, to be adaptive, and to pivot. That's another thing that, um, you know, if something doesn't work, you fix it quickly and move on. We talk about course correction. We want to be in a position to course correct and not dig our heels in and just continue along a path that's not working. That all comes with being really clear about what you want to do for us satisfying the customer. The other thing is with coworkers, you know, um, <laughs> we started the pandemic and, um, well, let me, let, me, let me connect to one thing, a story I once heard from a, a, a female CEO and it was a company going bankrupt, okay? And it was Christy Hefner, and she said, I took over the helm of the company, and I told the team that we need to save the company. It's just that simple and just that hard. And when the pandemic hit, and like everybody here, we, we had a number of people going home. We had a number of people in the front lines who were still, you know, we were protecting and keeping safe, but they were out in the front lines. We sat back and we said, what really matters here? You can start with policy, you can start with people. And we said, we're starting with our people. We have to make sure our customers are served, we need to make sure our coworkers are safe, and we need to support our communities. That's it, one, two, three. Every decision we're making is tied to doing that. And I, again, kudos to the team because our leaders and our coworkers just rose to the occasion, did a lot for each other, did a lot in the community of Chicago and beyond, but it's the simplicity of knowing what you're trying to accomplish and why you're trying to accomplish that gets a whole organization behind. And, and for me, makes me convicted. I wanna be, I think a lot of you know this, and I say this, when I, again, back when I'm interviewing people, what do I, I ask myself? What's my objective? What do I want walking out of this? I want to get to know the person. That's why I asked the journey question. But the other thing is I want them to walk away feeling like they could have a life career at CW. I want them to go, you know, I can, what do people care about? Opportunity and impact. Opportunity and impact. I want people to feel like they will have opportunity through their entire life. They will be able to grow throughout their uh, various periods of their life, when they're married, not married, you know, have elder parents, whatever it is, and that they can have an impact where they care about having an impact. That's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's really simple. Opportunity and impact, and everybody grows. You know, and, and we'll jump back on a couple topics I want to go back to about the vision of who CDW is to you. But, but since we're here, I want to keep going on this, which is around people mm -hmm. and the pandemic and how it shifted and altered. And you and I had a chance to talk about the great rebalance. Yeah. But we also talked a, a lot about how it shifted where people are at now and what they expect. And, and you talked a little bit about this, which is, you know, they want to know that there is a purpose. But talk to a, the group a little bit more about helping folks going forward now as we're coming into a different phase of this. How are you going to maintain that kind of passion and that culture around being connected to a purpose and kind of move into the future in a new way of working? Yeah. It's, it's a great question, and I think it's, it's something we're all wrestling with, and I would start with we're not going to get it perfect from the gate. We're just not, and we have to be aware of that, and therefore we have to be willing to try things and adjust and readjust. I think it's really important going with a mindset where you don't have a piece of paper and say, here's the exact roadmap. Again, it's we're people first, policy second, and we're also leading from the edge. So what do I mean by that? We have an amazing team. Uh, we call our coming back together reunite. We, we started that a couple of years ago, and, and we use the IT for technology. We capitalize that and use that in our branding, so reunite was really cool. I think I saw my general counsel here. He apparently did, did some singing to the song and, and came up with the, the name. But reunite has recently turned into reignite. 
okay? Because there's an awareness that we might not have this big bang back in the office and everybody coming back. But what we need to do is give some guiding principles like um, things like uh, intentionality, okay? So you might think about it as the inverse of how we've planned our lives. Instead of planning, okay, people are in the office and setting up meetings, why do we need to be together and when? So we can start with leadership and frontline. When do, why? Okay, now those are set. Um, when do teams need to be together? Get that down, and then the leaders decide. And they have to watch and be very intentional, in my mind, because uh, one of the things I worry about is we're rebounding back to everybody wanting to be together and exciting about it, about it, but we can't forget about those who are maybe uncomfortable. And so for our leadership team in particular, uh, it is about letting them design okay, how they want to operate and test and refine and making sure that they have the structure to do it. So some things are done by design, other things are kind of personalized to the team, and we have to have the structure. And um, our team knows we talk about this a lot. The technology will work when you come back into the office. But it is harder because now you're balancing you know, home and office. But there are things that just have to be seamless. So creating the structure, allowing people to make, the leaders to make decisions with their teams, and staying attuned and intentional. I think more than ever, we have to stay attuned. I think more and more companies are doing, you know, um, culture, sur climate surveys and engagement surveys. We're doing the same thing. We're pulsing much more frequently. But it can't be kind of command and control from the center. It, it just can't be. It has to be at the edges, leading from the edges, and um, making sure that we're course correcting as opposed to allowing things to turn into problems down the road. You know, you can end up with biases or things like that, and we just can't let that happen. You guys are, have always been and continue to be, you know, customer first, customer first, customer first, and people and customer. How have you had to modify and shift? Um, a little bit for looking back, but then also so much more importantly, we're, we're in this pivot point right now. Yep. How are you looking at that going forward? Yeah, let me, let me start with the history because I think it's really important to understand that, that this is not something new to CDW. So Tom mentioned Michael Krasny, who in my mind was a genius. You know, he created the channel. He just, it was about making technology easier to access. And boom, a, t a technology, you know, channel was created. Michael had a very powerful and simple way to think about the business. He created something called the circle of service, which is customers at the center of every decision we make. And the first circle of service was really quite amazing because he drew this box around the circle which had the customer in it, had all the touch points of the organization from sales to finance, and it just went through. And it was a lot of words, but it said, you know, good experience, continue. Good experience, continue. Bad experience, lose sale. Bad experience, lose sale. Bad experience, lose job. It was pretty, it was pretty stark. <laughs> And we've changed it a little bit since then, but you know, it was a, we were a small business and it was a, a, a sales forward company, but you gotta satisfy the customer, okay? So it was very visceral. And the other was happy coworkers equals happy customers. So that's the service profit chain, but said very simply. When you have coworkers who like coming to work, like working with each other, know that we will care for each other and be there for each other, uh, and have opportunity back to growing, you know, the opportunity to grow and have an impact on each other, on our customers, and on, you know, on the community, um, he intuitively knew 
that then those coworkers will treat the customers the way they need to be treated. Those coworkers will be innovative. We talk at CW now about, um, I love this, this the, the big and little eye of innovation. So you have little eyes, medium eyes, and big eyes. And sometimes companies can get very caught on the big eyes. You know, we've got to do these transformational innovations. And it's really the little eyes that, that uh, differentiates us, I think, at CW. People put them in their pockets, and they think about them, or they, they come to somebody and say, I've got this little innovation, and it turns into something very, very powerful. Michael knew that. I mean, he knew that it's, it's all about the people. And uh, we wouldn't be a business without our, our coworkers and them taking care of our customers. I didn't mention before the, the purpose statement. I think that's important, because you asked how this is going to change going forward in terms of connectivity. Um, CDW, what we, what we say we do is we make technology work so that people can do great things. And I think that's really important because it describes exactly what we do. You know, every device you touch, every piece of software, every, every, um, every cloud, um, cloud environment, everything that you touch that is technology related, CDW manages that for businesses, for healthcare organizations, for educational institutions. We work with those organizations. Everything you touch, we're probably part of that. Technology is just an enabler, right? It's an enabler for people to do great things. And when you have this notion of CDW is, um, helps people to harness the promise and the power of technology to ignite the world to excellence, that's something to be proud of. And um, I think there's a unique relationship our coworkers therefore have, which is this connectivity to customers and this commitment to customers that um, sh shines through. Now, as we think going forward, um, back to experience. How, do, how, does, how does a coworker look at CW and say, this is why I'm here? Or how does a coworker think uh, their life has changed and now I'm going to reevaluate where I want to be? Well, call it a scorecard, call it what you want, but there is, there's something that people look at, the lens they look through to determine what they wanna, where they want to be. And you know, we think about that in terms of our coworkers and we think about four things that I think pretty much everything can fit into. It's the work you're doing, it's the people you're working with, it's the rewards you're getting, Right, and it's the environment you're in. You know, it's the people, it's the purpose, it's the work, and it's the rewards. And then we have a very specific goal. Okay, we want to be inspiring in all those. We don't want to just provide the tools so people feel like they have the ability to get their work done. We want people to have the tools and work with others so they feel inspired. There's a big difference between I can get my job done and I'm inspired to do my job. I see a coworker who is having a tough time, and I just naturally go over and say, how can I help? I notice on a Zoom, somebody looks a little de-energized. I'm the manager. Uh, I'm going to send something later and see if I can see what's going on, because I notice those things. Why do I notice those things? Because I care. But it is. It's, that, it's the scorecard. We've got to always, we say, we're going to look at ourselves like a customer. How, would, how does a customer experience us? How does a coworker experience us is, is as important, if not more important. Switching a little bit, and you, you referenced this a little bit in, in kind of the changing times right now and, and your purpose and your, your statement of make technology work so people can do great things, and I think I got, was that close? You got, you um, got right on, dead on. <laughs> yeah. Oosh. Um, that's changing, and that's changed over the last two years. And 
there's probably a different pace in which you're gathering feedback from your customer and what they need from you. There's probably feedback you're gathering even from your own coworkers on what they need to be able to work now in today's environment. How's that shifted for you and has that changed your innovation engine and or the way you work on a daily basis? Yeah, that, it's, a, it's a great question, especially in our industry, right? Because technology is now essential to pretty much, not pretty much, it's essential to everything. Every industry, every, um, everything we do, work, life, play, grow, win, compete, all those things, technology is right at the center of that. Uh, and it's changed more quickly in the past couple of years, uh, both technological advance, but also because of the pandemic and the remote everything and models changing, and we've obviously felt that. So what have we kind of consciously done and subconsciously done? On a conscious level, we really have started to think about innovation as a continuous cycle. And it's almost kind of stepping out of a big, we, we talk about being the, the, a big, the power of big and small, a big and small company, the power of big, which is really important, but the power of small. And really taking that to heart with innovation because um, back to the little eyes, medium eyes, and big eyes, if we have not only the whole organization thinking about um, ideas as power, even if they end up not coming to fruition, but ideas are power, the more ideas we can get into the system, uh, and we do have actually a team, it's an innovation funnel that we've now built that we're trying to get, call it crowdsourcing, just trying to get innovative ideas into the funnel and be um, very disciplined about taking a look at them. As I said, making a choice not to come at innovative ideas with the notion that they won't work because, okay? and. Um, having folks in the organization who are not just the you know, executives at the top, but deep in the organization, like a team that, that is, is closest to the customers. So we've, we've created a process, uh, and I hate to use the word process around innovation because it, it almost sounds counterintuitive, but it's really important. Because if you want to speed to success, you need to get from idea to uh, customer problem solved fast. And so we're trying to do two things. One is having this funnel, like a, a process where people feel free to bring ideas and we assess them much more quickly than we did before. Uh, we're creating, the, we've got these, these groups called squads. You know, we're trying to use different words than, than we used to word like pilot, I like pioneer, we pioneer things, right? Squads are a um, speed to point of view. We have an inkling about something competitive in the market and we don't want to take um, six months to kind of do too much, more, a lot of market research, et cetera. We put a squad together and say, four weeks, we want an answer. And you, know, you pull in the people who have the best insights. And it's not an answer of, we should do the following. It's a point of view. It's a hear what we think. So it's turning on its head this notion of solving something with incrementally getting to the best answer. And we do it both through process and then also just encouraging people there's nothing wrong with an idea that doesn't make it. There's everything wrong with, some, with having a group of people that don't feel comfortable um, putting ideas out on the table. Yeah, you mentioned uh, another piece of that, which was the speed at which we have to do it now. Uh -huh. Your industry, the industry I'm in, um, that speed um, has increased so greatly over the last couple of years, yep. uh, even more so. And I, I continue to going forward from here for a certain number of years, going through the shifts we're going through right now. Oh, 100%. And uh, 100%. And it's um, back to agility and, and all those words that we're all using. What does that really mean? It's a mindset. 
of being adaptable and being growth oriented. It is um, understanding, I'll call it modularity. I, in software, I'd say it's microservices because it's the concept of having a big organization where you can change pieces of it without having the whole thing crumble on itself. And having a team where you can change out pieces of it without having the whole thing crumble on itself. That's really important and that's a different mindset and it's frankly a different systems architecture as a big organization. Um, but I think doing that with the mindset of leading from the edge, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think it's created great agility in our organization and we're gonna continue to really support and fuel that. Yep. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Sure. Audio equipment for the Executives Exchange podcast is provided by Shore Incorporated. When your team is depending on you for information and motivation, you can't afford to sound anything less than clear and confident. For nearly 100 years, performers and world leaders have depended on Shore microphones. Whether you're in front of a camera or behind a podium, Shore lets you sound extraordinary. Welcome back. I'm going to switch topics pretty dramatically here. There's something that you and I talked about when we met, which is amazing, very difficult to do, and incredibly impressive that your team and all your coworkers kind of pulled this off over the last eight quarters. Mm -hmm. And let's make sure I have the stat right. Eight acquisitions mm -hmm. in eight quarters. Yes. Yes. During a pandemic. Yes. Let's just be clear here. One acquisition in eight quarters during a pandemic is a lot to accomplish. Um, talk, talk to us about that. That's an incredible just focus and drive. And, you know, I think it, it talks a lot about just your com the, the, the organization's commitment to your vision. Yeah, that's exactly it right there. You're, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's commitment, but it's, it's commitment to the customer. And so we have, um, like most companies, we do a pretty rigorous strategic uh, planning process every three years. Of course, going forward, that's going to be refined because we all, it's not, you don't wait three years anymore. But we went through that in 2019 and, and we were really clear on what we perceived our customers were going to need based on their feedback. And it was certain areas where we had to really build our capabilities in a way that we had both depth and breadth. So think of security, right? I mean, think of what's going on in the world today and the concerns about not the human toll, but also cybersecurity. And the ability to be able to be what I like to call a vital partner. Um, I'm sure my team's kind of laugh at me a little bit behind my back, but I, I think of it this way. I don't want to be like an earlobe or a little toe or something. I want to be a vital organ to our customers, like they can't live without us. And, and we knew what, we were clear on what we thought that was going to take. You can't have a conversation about somebody's technical environment without talking to security. Okay, so we had clarity, right? We also knew we needed to speed the, to those capabilities, and so we knew how long it would take us organically to build them and we didn't want to wait. So we were pretty clear on what we're trying to do. And when we went into the pandemic, and I actually think about integration this way, I would almost think about it as kind of going around the curve, where you, you slow down a little bit to take the curve, right? You got to slow down, but then you just accelerate out. And that's what the team literally did. We kind of slowed down a bit, you know, paused, made sure we were doing everything appropriately to keep our folks safe and, and you know, everything that had to happen at the beginning of the pandemic, and then we said, now we gotta get back to it. I mean, our customers were needing us. I heard, the, I heard the word help me, words help me, from customers more in two years than I ever have in my life. So we slowed a little bit to kind of assess, 
and then accelerated right out. And that comes from uh, commitment, clarity in the vision, commitment to the vision, and conviction of the team. And it also comes with the, uh, the DNA that is CDW, which is we are a people business. And when you assess an when you assess deals, for us, it's financial, operational, and, finan and um, strategic, but it's also culture. We have not done deals because we didn't think there was a good cultural fit. That's, that's really important. We've said, won't fit. It just doesn't fit with our culture. There is, people aren't as important. So having that natural DNA, because integration, as you know, and coming together is scary for the other side sometimes. You know, we try to give them a nice hug, but not too strong a bear hug. And it's because we're, I think, the teams are very sensitive to uh, coworkers. And I, I would assume, doing eight, that your integration approach is probably different for each one, depending on their culture and also their reaction to it. Yeah, they, uh, how, some of them are larger, some of them are smaller. The most recent one is a very large, it's $2.5 billion revenue, so that's a large one for us, and some were under $100 million. So certainly there are gonna be differences, but, but nonetheless, the mantra is kind of always the same. You know, it's, it's uh, customer first. It's uh, speeding the value to the customer. So whatever the intention is in bringing in an acquisition, we're really clear on what we're trying to achieve for the customer. Uh, and we are very quick to integrate, very quick to, to integrate to bring ourselves together is the right way to say it. Um, and then it's all about measuring ourselves in terms of speed to value mm -hmm. to our customers. You know, yes, we look at, um, uh, keep keeping coworkers and retention and everything you would think about and, and the financials, but it's how fast are customers feeling like we're bringing this solution to them and it's one company, a joined up company, not two different companies coming into the same customer. So that's, uh, again, pretty simple but hard to do. Yes. So how do you plan to keep it simple as you integrate cultures of the, the companies um, which, by, which by its nature is very difficult? I think you speak, spoke a little bit to that, but I think there's a culture tone to that question, which is how do you, and you said you're very careful because there's a balance. You've got to maintain some of the old, but bring them into the new. Yeah, the how. The how is the most important in pretty much everything. Um, first, I'm gonna go back to mindset because I am one of those people who thinks mindset's everything. It's how you enter a conversation. It's how you lead a team. Whatever your mindset is, it's gonna be noticed. Whatever your energy is, it's contagious. So with integration, it's very important as the acquiring company to be open-minded. And it's very important to catch each other when we're not. And we can't do it that way because this is how we do it. We, we have to be very intentional about catching ourselves. So open-mindedness and the true belief that the way somebody else does something could be better for us. An absolute belief in that, number one. Number two, it is back to leading from the edge. So when I think about the most recent acquisition, I mean, it was astounding how many meetings we had, meetings, I, gatherings we had in person, safe, in the first two weeks, okay, where the senior vice president of corporate sales and her leaders went to San Antonio, which is where their headquarters is, and met with their leaders, came together personally to get to know each other and talk, where sales teams got together personally, golf course, outside, whatever it was. But within two weeks, I would say 60% of, of, the, of their organization, which is about 2,600 people, had met CDW folks. It's really hard to um, see a big hairy monster when you've met people. Okay, when you don't know things, you fill in the blank clearly. We just had their, they just had their sales kickoff 
uh, in San Antonio. It was really nice to be back together. And there were 50 CDW folks. I was there, and there were almost all of our executive team, but 50 other coworkers there to work together and get to know each other. Uh, it sounds so simple, but it's so important when you are, have a personal relationship with somebody and you can talk one-on-one -on -one as opposed to reading the memo, and here's what we're doing. I, I think that makes all the difference in the world. So we can say culture all we want, but it's all about then what you actually do. And it's the mindset, and it's the getting together very quickly. I think those two things are the most powerful. Oh, really interesting. Question about diversity mm -hmm. and the diversity of your leadership team. And I want to make sure we cover that because I think there's some um, great things you and I talked about, about that, that part of the organization and what you've been able to accomplish there. I, I think that the other one is to talk about the great resignation oh, and the, okay. the talent that we, you and I wanted to make sure we hit before we yeah. left the session. But I'd love for the group to hear more about your diversity and, and maybe a little bit about your community efforts and, and especially, uh, you know, they've changed over the last two years. So maybe that part of your organization. Yeah, so d diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, um, we have, we've taken, we, it's part of who we are. Um, I think what, what the last couple of years have um, ignited, if I can mm -hmm. say it that way, is uh, doubling down and maybe more of a comfort to talk about it in different ways. Uh, I think one of the things that was a real learning for me during the pandemic and you know, some of the um, unthinkable things that you know, were happening was um, we all came together and we were talking in different ways. Uh, and I, f I, I think the organization found that really um, helpful. You know, it kind of, it, it, um, it just created uh, more of an ease. And, and the, the team that leads DEI has a kind of a, this round circle and they talk about educate, participate, advocate. And I really, really liked that because it started with educate. You know, and that's what we spent some time doing was talking to each other. So in any event, I, I do think over the last couple of years, it's not that we just started because we have had a number of business resource groups, you know, for, you know, more than a decade. It was really coming to grips with what we're trying to do, being very clear about the expectations um, and being honest in ways that we hadn't been. The best, uh, one of the things that was really important to me personally, was we were all clear on what we mean. And so we worked with, um, we worked with someone who was uh, supporting our efforts. And I just love the simplicity of how we came to this. And it's, you know, what does diversity mean? What does inclusion mean? What does equity mean? What does equality mean? Everybody's kind of throwing these words around. What do they actually mean? And then how do we map our actions against them? And diversity for us is the mix. It's the complexion. It's what does your organization look like? What do your customers look like? What do your partners look like? Inclusion, and this is important, inclusion is making the mix work. I mean, that's like aha to me. It's making the mix work. We can talk about business results. You know, you can talk about the outputs, but if you get all the way back to the core, inclusion is making the mix work. You're getting the best of everybody, all their experiences, all their backgrounds. And then, you know, equity is, is a promise, it's a value, or equality, I'm sorry, equality is a promise or a value that everybody will be treated um, not differently because of who they are. And then equity is the scorecard. Did you achieve it? Okay, and um, so we have taken our business resource groups as a real grounding point in the organization, but we've also 
uh, created, I'll call them targeted plans within each of our teams. And I, I say this targeted and tailored, and it's really important because what we, we created three high-level goals for CDW. But high-level goals are high-level goals, and they're always unintended consequences. And when we talk about the higher rate, the retention rate for different groups, we have those and we're tracking ourselves. But we went all the way down to the manager level, and the coworker services team, I give them great credit, worked with leaders and said, what do you need specifically? Let's look at your team. It was a very tailored, very personalized approach to the team, and that was in everybody's goals last year. That's a how, that's a real how, and it's not a broad brush stroke, it's much more surgical, and then it's let me help you to get there. And so if I look at where we were in 2020 when we had a lot of sadness and anger um, and rage, and the conversations that we had over that year and into 2021, and what I would say now is there's tremendous support amongst our teams. There is belief, it's a really important word, belief that inclusion is the key to equality and equity and inclusion makes us a better organization. Uh, there is a conviction to stand up for each other and be there for each other and to ensure people feel like they can in fact show up like their authentic selves. And there is a programmatic approach to getting things done because all of that sounds really good. But if you don't have the team, and again, I come back to our coworker services, if you don't have the team that is helping you and giving you the tools, then it's much harder to get there. And you know, if I landed on a word for CDW, a word I'm most proud of, it's probably trust. I think trust is the most important world in the most important word in our lexicon, trust. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. And um, I think that we developed a different level of trust between ourselves, among ourselves, and with each other over the past couple of years. We're not always going to get it right, but I feel like that basis of trust is a silver lining coming out of all this. So we also just, one thing that's been very important was to understand where technology could you know, really drive diversity and inclusion in the world. So we've started to focus our efforts more and more on um, the digital divide and technology enabling opportunity and impact and working with our partners to do that, bringing together power. You know, ecosystems working together nowadays are much more important. So bringing our power behind those things that technology can help to drive um, uh, access and equality has been a real focus over the past couple of years too. Let's move on. I don't mean to like yeah. shift and just abruptly See, go we're to just, the it's next a conversation. But, we could talk for a long time up here, <laughs> um, but I want to make sure we hit this one because because you and I talked about this. You know the what we all face today related to talent, mm. and and is CDW facing um, some of those same things with talent in your organization and kind of the the movement of talent these days and the um, kind of attrition that a lot of organizations are dealing with. And I think the second question really related to that is, what have you shifted and done different? And you've talked about a number of those things, right? It's the it's the inspiring your coworkers, it's them having a purpose that, that tends to make people wanna stay with the organization. But are there other things that you can share that you've put in place to try and address some of those shifts and, and attrition that are, that's going on? Yeah, it's, uh, um, I'd start with it as a long, it's the long game, right? And it's, uh, it's about belief in the uh, career, not, not just kind of a stop on one's career. And so I have talked about a lot of the things that I believe drive that. 
Um, but uh, you know, uh, let me share this. I think this is a great way to to visualize how we think about the office, for example, and what we're changing. And this is Chris Corley, our, our chief commercial and operating officer, who runs all of our sales and technical organizations. And that, by the way, is a very difficult um, journey to figure out going from a sales organization where you get energy and buzz and every and learning and apprenticeship in the office to what do we do now? Okay, so that takes a lot of thought and a lot of open-mindedness and a lot of kind of pioneering things. And where she landed was this notion of CW's offices should be a watering hole. We shouldn't put up fences. You can keep you can keep you know people someplace by putting up fences, or you can create a watering hole. And I walked in this morning, and I actually I turned to Sarah and I said, "This it's like I feel it. It's a watering hole. You want to be here." So I would say the biggest thing that we are doing post-pandemic is yes, flexibility. And as I explained, why do we need to be get together? But really making sure that our physical locations are watering holes. They're places that people want to be. Another thing I you know, learned from my parents, like you can push people and force them and you can try every which way to get people to do something. It's gotta come from in here. People have to want to do it and they have to believe they can do it because people make choices every day. So we're trying to create the watering hole where people make the choice to come into the office and people make the choice to stay at CW. I mean, I don't have any magic bullet, but I think that concept right there is magical. And I give Chris all the credit. I mean, it was just, it's a beautiful way to talk about it and we can all get on board. Is this, gonna, is this watering hole or is this fences? Well, that's fences. Oh, this is a watering hole. This is real. Let's do this. Right, which then again inspires, mm -hmm. right? Feeds people, yeah. connects them. Um, drives a connectivity and a loyalty to the purpose of the organization. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, we did talk when we were talking before about community. And I, I don't want to miss that because that is that was also something, it's always been important to CW, but community now is much more important. So how do we actually create communities within geographies, for example, teams that aren't part of teams but actually driving community at scale? It's critically important, and we know when we look at the generations, and we hire a lot of uh, a lot of uh, young adults out of college. Purpose, but then connection to community, connection to things that matter to them, are so important. So I don't want to suggest that we're doing something new. We're just doubling down. I'm 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 having a great time. I don't know. I hope the coworkers are too. But I'm trying to get to all of our all of our offices as we're opening and see, see people and be with people and talk to them and hear and learn and ask questions. And one of the things that we're very consciously doing is joining in on and things they're volunteering so that we can, we can get to know each other, be together, but doing it in an environment that we're giving back mm -hmm. um, because we've heard from coworkers that really, that really matters. So. And I think that's what we discussed is the great rebalance. I think there's a lot of, the, during this time, rethinking the multiple prongs of what is important to us mm -hmm. and what is our purpose holistically right, across, across many different areas. And I've seen within uh, our organization and many others that it's much more important to have the balance now around, yes, I need to have purpose for my community. I need to have purpose with my coworker. I need to align with the vision and the purpose of the organization. And that is what drives my inspiration to stay and do and build and be within that organization. And there's a different focus on that today than there was two years ago. There, there is. I think it all comes back to caring, because when when all those things that you said 
happen, people then, it's coming from inside again. They care, mm -hmm. they care about their job. They care about doing the best that they can and being there for each other. So I think that's what it drives. It's certainly a kind of a, it's an affinity for the organization because you know, we're a place that coworkers want to be, I hope. But I can't emphasize enough the concept of choice. I take people who choose to be someplace every day versus those who feel like they must be there. Yeah, well, you used the word energy earlier. That's a different energy you bring yeah. to the table, right? Yep. Very different. I wanna just kind of summarize a little bit. I, I think you talked to us about kind of your, your life story and your family. And I, what I picked up in that are the values and the collaboration and the caring um, and the passion that you learned as you grew up in the family you did. And I, I, I personally thank you for taking that and converting that into a group of coworkers that what you do every day and what you've done for the last two years has probably impacted the companies of 99% of the people in this room. And it made a difference for all of us. Thank you. And that and it, to your coworkers. Well, right? and, and that's it. It's the coworkers, you know, making technology work. And it is so, so the world can, you know, do great things. I appreciate that. I, I, I do want to, uh, you know, I think we're probably running out of time, but it, lending on the energy, I, you know, if I were to, if I were to reflect back on the two years uh, that's just gone by, because I've, I've done that a lot, and on this piece of energy, I think that um, I'm hopeful that going forward, that we all, you know, always take a moment, like the power of pause, take a moment and decide what energy we're gonna to bring to the table. Because I certainly look back and there were times when I was not bringing the energy that I should have brought. And I reflect and I, but I ask myself why? Go back to all those whys. Why was I not? What should I be doing differently, et cetera? Uh, and I just, you just notice it. You know, when you're on video, you can see it on people's faces. And I just, I think that's incredibly important. And I'm gonna share, uh, going into the pandemic, Sarah, Sarah Enloe on my team over there who's wonderful, um, she, she related this quote to me that I thought was great. And it was, sometimes joy brings a smile to your face, sometimes a smile brings joy. And so it's the intentionality of just recognizing the little things, choosing joy and positivity to show up that way. And I'll tell you, yesterday I was in the office in Lincolnshire and there was one of our coworkers was walking in front of us with a box and a plant. That was joy for me. I'm like, and where's Aletha? Aletha, basically, when I told her today, she said that means she's coming back to water that plant. So that was, to me, that was my joy for the day and put me in the positive mindset. We notice different things two years later, and we need to remember to employ the, that difference every day ongoing because we do show up different today and we can continue to show up different. We need to retain some of the things we've learned and understood over the last few years. Yep. Again, an amazing story of what you've done with your team of coworkers here and the inspiration that you give within your organization allows them to then turn and work with all of us in a very unique way because again, most of us are your customer and I'm just learning the story. I left even more impressed than I was when I came in. And getting some time with you one-on-one -on -one and being able to understand a little bit more about that story was an absolute honor. So I wanna thank you on behalf of all of us who got to spend time with you today and share your story with you. Let me just say thank you for all of everyone who is a customer, thank you. And we hope we're serving you well because we really do think about ourselves in service to whatever the mission is that you are trying to achieve, educating people, saving lives, whatever it might be. And I know we have a number of CW coworkers and I would say I'd turn it around you inspire me every day. I couldn't do what each of you do, but you inspire me every day, and I thank you for that. So.
Thanks for joining us. That's all for today's episode of the Executives Exchange, sponsored by Shure Incorporated. Thanks for listening. If you have Chicago speakers you think we should cover, please send us an email at media at executivesclub.org. The Executives Exchange is a production of the Executives Club of Chicago. Audio equipment for the Executives Club podcast is provided by Shure. Whether you're making a point or making history, Shure lets you sound extraordinary. It's written by me, Margaret Mueller, produced by Eva Pinar. Research and support from the staff of the Executives Club of Chicago. We appreciate you subscribing and reviewing the show from wherever you listen. Feel free to follow the club on Twitter at Exec Club and on LinkedIn. If you have more questions or are interested about becoming a member at the Executives Club of Chicago, check us out on the web at executivesclub.org. See you next time.